Um, hey, let's have some appreciation for Gareth, who's going to come and open God's word for us. Thank you. Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see you. Um, I never know when to stop saying Happy New Year to people. I'm not sure if some people like to stop on the first. After the first, they don't do it after that. Others will wait a week. There's others who will just carry on throughout the whole of January. Um, but it's interesting to see everyone how everyone does it. As Phil said, our theme for this month is rejoice, for your name is written in heaven. And these words were spoken by Jesus, and they're found in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. And what I'm going to do this morning is just dig a little bit deeper into that story and that moment that led up to that when Jesus said those famous words of rejoice, your name is in heaven. And what I've asked is Chris Coyle to come forward and just read for us this morning. So Chris, are you ready to come? He's going to do our reading. Thank you, Chris. And then we're going to crack on. This morning's reading is from Luke 10. 1 to 20. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, Eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you! Uh, Chorazin, woe to you, Besida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Thank you, Chris. That's brilliant. I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll start. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Will you just lead us now? We open our hearts to receive from you all you have for us. Amen. Amen. I was looking at the book display this week in the supermarket, and as always in January, the shelves, they're full of kind of guidebooks offering you to how to improve your life a little bit. And there were some titles I was definitely drawn to. Um, how to Feel Good in 15 Minutes with Joe Wicks, who's, um, uh, who helped us through COVID, didn't he? So I thought that would be a good one. There was Four Weeks to Better Sleep, which I kind of took on board. But the one of my favourites was How to Eat Your Way to a Six Pack. And I thought, yes, I need that. A little surprise that a couple of the books that I found out there and why people would write that, How to Argue with a Meat Eater, wasn't quite sure on that one, and how not to hate your husband after kids, which, like, but hey, people write, it appeals to people. Uh, anyway, in a similar way, these verses that we've just read, I think, are a guidebook for us. They were a guidebook for the 72, and they were, who were about to be sent out, and it was showing them how you do discipleship and how you do mission well. And I believe this is a guide for us as well. And we should take on board these words because they're here to help us. They're here to show us how to share the gospel. They're here to show us why we need to share the gospel, what to expect when we share the gospel, the consequences of not responding to the gospel message and what we do after this gospel message when we share it. So these words are for us. So Jamie always asked me on a Monday, what are you going to call your message? Because I never remember. So Jamie... I've got Jesus' six steps to discipleship and mission in 20 minutes or 21, depending on how quick I go. So that's for you, Jamie. But step one, it always starts with us being willing to listen and being willing to pray. Before the, the 72 were sent out, before they were told to go on this mission trip, he first wanted to speak to them. You know, they needed to know why they were to go. In verse 2 of chapter 10, Jesus shared with the 72 his heart. What was on his heart? He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And these words that Jesus spoke are so important to him, aren't they? Because this is what matters most to him. Jesus showed this throughout the Gospels, everywhere he went. In Luke 19, verse 10, as Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus when he ate with him, when he changed that man's life, afterwards he said to everybody present, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And these words that we just read in chapter 10, Jesus said again in chapter 9 of Matthew. And he said them again in John chapter 4. This is what is on his heart. And what's happening, Jesus has left Galilee and he's now heading towards Jerusalem. And before him are all these towns and places filled with people. And he's comparing them to a harvest field ready for gathering. And he's telling the 72 that there is a harvest field in front of you of lost souls. And there is work to do. But there are so few people who are willing to go out into that harvest field to proclaim the message of salvation, to proclaim the good news. And so firstly, we have to set time aside in our lives to listen to Jesus, to let him share his heart with us and to let him show us his compassion and the love he has for others. And let that be what shapes our lives. And when we begin to understand that and understand the extent of his love for people, and that his goal is to bring as many people as possible into his kingdom. I think he'll automatically cause us to do that next step, which is to pray. And that's what he invited the 72 to do, didn't he? He said, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will therefore send out workers into his harvest field. 
You know, they were being commanded to pray as a matter of urgency. He's saying, don't mess around with this. Do it now. You know, we need more workers to be going out into this harvest field. There is too many people out there. And there is an urgency for us to pray as well today. To pray for as many people as possible to be sent out into that harvest field. So let's take time out this year. This month, this is why we're doing this month. To spend time listening to God, listening to Jesus. Allowing him to shape our lives. And then let's start praying. Let's start praying for more people to be gathered up and to be sent out into our communities, into our workplaces. To share the good news. Let's pray for those who are already out there doing this. That they'll be encouraged to keep going. And let's pray for our friends and family who are not saved. That God will send people to them to save them. Because I believe that when we listen to Jesus and when we allow him to shape our lives and then when we begin to pray, we will automatically want to go out and do the next thing, which is to go. Because step two, he says, what does he say? He says, go. It says it in verse three, go. Jesus was sending them out into the harvest field. He didn't just want them to pray, but he wanted them to go. Again, as a matter of urgency. You know, I say this word, go all the time in the morning, 8.30 before my kids go to school. Go, a matter of urgency, or you will be late for school. Go. And what he's doing, he's entrusting these 72, who we know nothing about. We don't know anything about them, but he's sending them out to continue the work that he started. It's not an exclusive club, is it? That only a few people could join. It wasn't just for the disciples, but 72 others. This invitation to go is for all who choose to follow him. Some people chose not to go. And because, well, they were too busy. And if you go back to the end of Luke 9, you can read about that. They were just making excuses as to why they couldn't go. But he looks to the 72 and he sends them out. Because there is a cost to going, isn't there? It must be a willingness to lay down our lives, to pick up our cross and to follow him to go. Our missions will differ slightly. At the start of Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12, and their mission was very different to these 72 who are being sent out at the start of chapter 10. Some of us here might be called to go to another country, some to step into ministry, others it is to take the gospel into our workplaces, our communities, the coffee shops, wherever we may go and frequently visit. Whatever it is, it is all just as important as everything else. It can be scary doing this as well, can't it? And you may be thinking, well, what will people say or what will people think or how will they respond? Or why would Jesus send someone like me out? And we can make excuses. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not clever enough, I'm not successful, I'm just actually not feeling very brave. And if you're struggling with that, then you have to keep reading the next four lines. Because we hold on to these words. These words are so important because it says, I am sending you. We hold on to these words knowing that the I am is sending us out. We hold on to the fact that we belong to him. We are his. He is sending us out. He is trusting us to go out. We hold on to the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in his sight. That he possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. And the good thing is that he has got our back. Because he's coming after us and he's following behind us. So whatever anyone does to us, they have to answer to him. And so we have to spend time finding out who he really is. What it means to be in Christ. What it means to be sent out by him. Who it is who's sending us out. Ephesians 1 is a great place to start with that. 
because it repeatedly tells us who we are in Christ. But to go, it does require a step of faith for all of us. To go will always require that step of faith. There are three steps of faith that I see in this passage. The first one, Jesus says, carry no money, no belt, no bag, no shoes, no extra shoes on this journey. He's telling them, put your trust and rely on me. Put your faith in me. Do not get entangled with the things of this life. And we see this message throughout scripture, don't we? People being called to step out in faith, to put their trust in God and to go. Noah was called to build a boat to save his family. Abraham was asked to leave a country and go into a land he did not know. David stepped out to defeat Goliath. You know, Jonathan climbed the hill. And what I loved about David, going back to his, is at the beginning, every day, Goliath would come out and challenge the Israelites. And they would step back in fear. And David steps up and he goes and he faces him. And when he defeated him, it says, Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. It has a knock-on effect when people go. Others will want to go as well and step out into it. <coughs> Esther, she went to a king to save the Jews. Rahab acted in faith, didn't she, when she tied that ribbon to her window and brought her family in to be saved. And Ruth, she stayed with Naomi. She refused to go. And it was a step of faith when the apostles stood up on the day of Pentecost, but one which saw 3,000 people saved. And it was a step of faith for that person who invited you to church that day to meet Jesus. And so it is a step of faith that we are called to do. The second step of faith we face is that we're going into places where people actually want to devour us, which is scary. Jesus was telling the 72 that this journey is not going to be easy. They were going to places where you would face hostility and where this mission will be dangerous. And Jesus faced this regularly. So he's not sending them into something he hadn't experienced. The religious leaders were constantly looking for ways to kill him. And the attacks continued after he was crucified, didn't they? When Stephen was stoned, it said the persecution broke out against the church and they were scattered. People were trying to put him in prison and have them killed. But wherever they went, they stepped out in faith and continued to spread the word and the church just grew. But we face this hostility and hatred today, don't we? Maybe not as much in this country, but it is changing. But around the world, it is scary for people. And we need to be praying for our family, our brothers and sisters around the world. Open Doors released some figures recently. They said over 360 million Christians live in countries where they face persecution. 124,000 Christians have been displaced from their homes. 5,000 Christians were murdered last year. 89% was in Nigeria. 6,000 were put in prison. 4,000 were kidnapped. 5,000 churches were destroyed. It's a step of faith to step into that. It's not easy. But it's also a step of faith because we are called to live a life of peace wherever we go in this world. The 72 were told to say peace as soon as they stepped inside someone's home. They were asking for God's favour, his well-being and prosperity to fall upon that place and upon that location. And so that's what we need our call to do. To take that peace that we have received, that each and every one of us have, and to share that with wherever we go. And allow that to fall in places. Not everyone wants to receive that peace, do they? And a good thing it comes back to you if they don't want it. But, um, but, um, but for those who choose not to listen, we do have to warn them of the consequences. You know, there are seven verses in this passage that talk about the consequences of not responding to, script, to this gospel message. 
It is a serious thing that we have to share. And how we share that is very different. And we have to do that lovingly. But we do have to share it. But what we're called to do is we're called to search. And we're called to keep searching until we find people who want to receive that peace. I listened to a podcast recently called Unbelievable. I don't know if some of you listened to that. And they were interviewing Archdeacon Hassan John. He's from Nigeria. And they were asking him the question, is violence ever justified? And he shared his story about how difficult life in certain areas of Nigeria is and how hard it's been to wrestle with this question because of the constant persecution that he has faced. A church very close to his church was bombed and the blast from the bomb rattled his church. And that moment he said that level of persecution just got to him. And so someone encouraged him to go out and buy a gun, to buy an AK-47, to protect his church from any attacks that may come his way. But he went to get it on the black market and he didn't have enough money to buy it, which he said was God's mercy. And in that moment, around that time, he met a young Muslim girl who was on the floor. She was just selling groundnuts on the floor. And he stopped and he asked her, why are you not in school? And she said that her father had been killed. Her mom couldn't afford to go to school. And so she had to sell groundnuts to help provide for the family. So he asked the girl if she could take her to her mother which she did and it was a real step of faith because it meant him walking through this Muslim community with his dog collar on um, which was a scary moment for him but he met this lady and she offered him into her home and she accepted this piece he had to um, receive was given out and he said look we will pay for your child's school fees and we'll also teach you a skill so that she can, you can go out and earn money for yourself and for your family and your daughter can go to school and from this simple act where he went out and shared this piece they're now supporting 147 Muslim families who are in a similar circumstance. Now this work has spread to four other Christian communities in the area. And it's making a huge impact. He said recently a young Muslim boy came to his church for their youth work, for their youth evening. And he said, I want to become a Christian. I want what you've got. Archdeacon John said, we must counter violence with, with, and hatred with love, compassion and light. So where do we take this love? Where do we take this compassion? Where do we take this peace? Where was Jesus calling us to go? Well, he tells the 72, go everywhere. He said, go to every town and place. This message was for everyone. No one wants to miss out on this journey. So where do we go? Well, we need to be willing to go everywhere and to everyone. And if you're not sure what that looks like or what that means, go back to the Gospels and follow Jesus and follow his steps. He went to that Samaritan woman at the well, didn't he? He went to the tax collectors who everybody hated. He went to Zacchaeus' house. He ate with sinners. He went to the man with leprosy who no one wanted to touch. He went to the blind man who had been kicked out of the synagogue. And he went to the religious leaders who, who hated him. He went everywhere. And he's calling the 72 to go out, to go everywhere. To search for people whose hearts are open to this gospel message. Who want to receive that peace that they themselves have received. And when they found them, what they're called to do? They're called to stay with them and eat with them. That is easy stuff, eating with people. And what Jesus is saying, that when you find someone whose heart is open to this gospel message, take time out to build a relationship with them. The Jewish home, with what I've read, is... And the Jewish table is the most cherished and protected sector in Jewish communal life. And to enter that space is to be granted access to a most intimate of spaces. And we are called to go out and search for people. And when we find them, take time to build a relationship with them and allow them to tell us about the most intimate parts of their lives. 
their struggles, their fears, their failures, their pains, their joys, everything. And as they open up to us, we are then called to care for them. We're called to pray for them. That's what he's saying in this chapter. And we're called to show them that Jesus can come in and heal them. Every broken part of their lives he can heal. And then we're called to share that gospel message with them. But as Phil was saying, this is something we have to do together. We do not do this on our own. He sent the 72 out, how? Two by two. They were not being sent out on their own, but two by two to, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to back up and support that message. You know, to offer protection and companionship on this journey. Because when we isolate ourselves on this journey, it is so much harder. You know, the, Phil said it earlier, didn't he use that passage? The letter of Hebrews was written to a church that was struggling and finding this hard. And people were giving up and they were walking away. And he writes and said, do not stop meeting up together as some of us in the habit of doing. But encourage one another daily as you see the day of Christ's um, return drawing near. So we have to do this together. But we also do this together because it is a team effort. It is not just one person's job, it is everybody's job. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, we are co-workers in God's service. We all have a part to play. So we all have to go. But finally, and the final big step, and the most important step, I think, is that we make sure we return to Jesus. Fire, you know, it says in verse 17 of 72, they returned to him. We have to go back to him to celebrate all that has just taken place, that Satan is losing his hold on the world and that lives are being set free. By this time, they've forgotten something, didn't they? They've forgotten that their names were written in heaven. And they had to go back and be reminded of where Jesus was going. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going to the cross. And it's actually, this is why we are doing this. And so we have to keep going back to him to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done for us and that each and every one of us has a name written in heaven. Amen. So what I'd like to do, on your, hopefully you haven't thrown these away or made a plane out of them, but you've all got a card. Uh, if you haven't got a card, I've asked a few people to hand some stuff out and some pens out. So if you don't have one of the two of these, everyone needs two of these. Um, uh, and if you haven't got one, please hold your hands up and we'll make sure you get one. And the reason there's two of these cards is because we're going to write a name on it. And we're going to write a name on the back of someone in our lives who we would like to see saved. Okay, and you're going to write them on both cards. And one of the cards is for you, and it's just to encourage you to keep praying and keep chasing God for that person. And the other card, if you're happy, if you're willing, during communion, I've got a couple, I've got a bowl here, and there'll be one on the other side, and it's just to bring it up during communion and to place it inside the bowl. A bit like that. And what we're going to do this week tonight, as Phil said, Nita's going to lead us in some creative prayer. And we're going to be praying for these names that are on this card. And during the 24-7 week in the studio, we're going to put all of these cards up on the wall. And we're going to make sure that every day these names are going to be prayed over. Because we want these names to be recorded in heaven as well. So if the worship band are happy to come back up. And if you take some time out just to think about which name you could place on that card. Who's on your heart? If you want to place two, three, four, five names on, you do that. If there's a specific prayer request you want to squeeze in there, please do that as well. But we'd love for you to do that. And join communion to bring it forward and place it in the bowl if you're happy. And you keep the other card and just put it in a wallet just to keep praying or to start praying for that person that's on your heart today. 
So I'm going to say a prayer and hand over to the worship team. So, Father God, thank you for your words. Thank you for what you've said in this passage. Thank you for your heart for people. And we pray that your heart will become our heart, Lord Jesus, and your ways will become our ways. We pray for more workers to be sent out into this harvest field, Father God. And you've called each and every one of us to go as well. And would you show us who we can go to, God, where we can go. Give us the courage, despite what's out there, despite the, the kind of the evil that is out there to stop us, God. Help us to go forward. Help us to build and take time to build relationships with people and to look out for people, God, who you have called us to. In your name, amen.